Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly. So when you listen to us, smoke it if you've got it. And now... Here's a new episode of Collateral Gaming. The show starts right now. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Bo Maddox. And this is Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only gaming podcast that matters, where you focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of video gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever we have, be it dabs, blunts, bongs, or joints, smoke it if you've got it. And happy Halloween! Yes, happy Halloween, and apparently I'm the one doing this episode on Collateral Gaming for reasons or something. It's your episode. <laughs> it is you my episode. It. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> yes, it is uh, Collateral Gaming's Halloween special, and we are checking out Dino Crisis, one of the kind of unsung uh, heroes of the survival horror uh, genre, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and this is Capcom's other franchise that they, you know, were kind of running alongside Resident Evil, although we haven't seen a Dino Crisis entry in years. Um, this is the only one I've played, and this is the first time I've played it, uh, but I played the first couple Resident Evil games, and so I, I definitely see a lot of the parallels. Um, if anything, I think that uh, Dino Crisis is a little bit more puzzle-focused, and I like that. It's way more puzzle-focused and kind of uh, centralized into a very singular location, not unlike uh, Shinji Mikami's uh, very first video game that he ever uh, released, and that would be, uh, at least in the modern PlayStation era, and that would be Resident Evil. It, it has a lot of overlap with uh, the, the gameplay of Resident Evil in many ways. It does, yeah. I think especially, you know, the facility of this game to me feels, um, in terms of progression, feels a lot like the Arclay Mansion. <laughs> it really does. I mean, it even has the main uh, staircase uh, level and everything, kind of like, uh, kind of not unlike the Arclay Manor. And also just, just the general layout and how, you know, there's like different uh, levels to the facility and everything. It just, it really screams Resident Evil 1. And it, it, it screams uh, Raccoon City and the Arclay Mountains and all that good stuff. It does. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I, I really actually uh, got into to Dino Crisis more than I expected to. Um, I like the focus on puzzle gameplay. Um, I liked being able to um, go back through areas and, um, you know, you'd notice something your first time and then you'd, you'd you find some other item and then you kind of put two and two together. You know, I, I think that this game, it, it does give you that sort of logical 
catharsis that I really enjoy out of puzzle solving in uh, adventure type games. Um, you know, uh, 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 one example of that I think that's particularly satisfying is uh, overriding the key cards and using the fingerprint data. So you've got to get both. Um, and, you know, you read something that'll tell you you need both of these pieces of, of data. And then, you know, you kind of just figure it out organically. You're like, oh, okay, this person has, uh, you know, here's a registration code for this person, and uh, here's, here's their fingerprint. And you kind of, you know what I mean? And then you do that later on. I remember whenever you get to uh, turning on, on the, the generator and um, nuking the whole place, right? You need uh, Dr. Kirk's data. And I remember immediately figuring out, like, okay, we're going to need this and we're going to need that. And there's a point where, you know, Dr. Kirk is being held at gunpoint, and you don't have to go into that room right at that point. But if you do, you can go get his fingerprints because I'm already thinking ahead, like, I'm going to need this. And so I, I, I use that very specific example uh, of a puzzle that was introduced earlier in the game and then reintroduced later, uh, and just to show how that that sort of progression happens on on the part of the player, you know, or, or with the DDKs as they get more and more advanced over time, right? Yeah, I was going to bring up the DDKs because I really like how, uh, I mean, instead of like in Resident Evil when you would have to go and find the corresponding, you know, uh, key for the the door, you know, the shield key, the armor key, and this and that and whatnot. Here you get two uh, DDK uh, code disc. Uh, one is the uh, one is the input disc, and one is the actual code disc. And then you, it, it kind of turns uh, just opening doors into its own kind of puzzle, which even kind of rises in complexity as you uh, go a little further along and go deeper into the facility. You start to they, right, they start exactly. adding a more numerical coding and everything. Like you pretty much just have a cipher that you go off of, and you just have to just kind of just by process of elimination, uh, just spell out the uh, the code that will open up that door. And I mean, I. Yeah. What, what that really speaks to to me is, and, and, and something that I really, really like about this game is how it does lean kind of into the sci-fi uh, a little heavy here, you know? Like, I mean, yes. everything, even the surroundings has a very technological uh, feel that's still very futuristic to this day. I mean, it's... It's it's just vaguely uh, technologically grandiose enough that you know it could kind of maybe make sense in the, in the modern times. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean, and I mean even even the whole like the whole gimmick of the plot. I mean the the reason why there are dinosaurs. It's not as simple as like you know they remade them like in Jurassic Park. No, there's a whole uh, machine that can actually displace space and time and 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 swap positions um of uh an area between two points in time and and so that's why the dinos are there um the the whole thing is is very very sci-fi and i really enjoyed that i mean resident evil is also sci-fi it deals with zombies but but this is a little bit more so it's got more of that like futuristic um feel to it i don't know more like the resident evil movie the first one <laughs> very much so yeah the very first that's more like dino crisis than any resident evil game <laughs> yeah yeah if you just threw dinosaurs in that movie instead of zombies yeah you'd essentially have a straight uh, dead on uh dino crisis game i mean hell even mila jovovich would have made an excellent regina to, to be honest to I be mean, fair I, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they really could have uh, made a solid Dino Crisis movie, but yeah, I mean, it, 
when you go to the aesthetic, back to the aesthetic and everything, like with Resident Evil, like even though it did have kind of the sci-fi elements with the, you know, the uh, T-virus and all of the uh, bioweapons and everything, they still leaned heavily into the horror. You know, it still leaned heavily into yeah. uh, mainly body, ho body horror and whatnot and creature horror. And, and, and you pair that with uh, the Arkley Mansion and everything, and it has this very kind of organic yet really gross and horrific almost gothic vibe to it even and here you yeah. don't have that so much the, the, this has like you said it has that sterility of the uh, first resident evil movie you know i mean it, everything has a uniform look to it it's very industrialized you know i mean there's multiple generator rooms and generator puzzles that you have to figure out in order to progress I mean, there's there's goddamn laser gates and whatnot, which, mm -hmm. by the way, it's always fun to just turn one of those on and watch the raptors and the dinosaurs just go head on into it, trying to oh, get to you. Oh, totally. That, and, and especially with, like, resource it. management, like, if you're low on ammo and you just got to, like, run through a hallway, it's like, oh, shit, okay, let's flip on the shutter. Oh. <laughs> run past the dinos. And exactly. <laughs> Oh, let me tell you, I actually ran out of ammo close to the end in, like, uh, level uh, the basement B3. I, like, ran out of ammo. Oh, there, there, there's those big, those big uh, granddaddy dinosaurs. I, I forget what they're called. Uh, yeah, they, they start showing up, so I'm having to, like, just take hits and just mainly just try to, you know, mostly worry about, you know, managing my health more so than ammo because I couldn't find any. I, I didn't find any more uh, grenade bullets until... Like near the end of the game, so see, I hoarded my grenade bullets and I didn't use them until the final boss battle, and then I felt silly because I had like twenty one of the grenade bullets and three heat bullets, and I was like, okay, I didn't need to hoard these. But I'll tell you what saved me whenever I was at a point in the game where I was low on ammo. Uh, the fucking darts—they're actually pretty easy to make too. A absolutely, um, if, yeah. If, if you just consult a mix, I consulted a mixing guide online, honestly. So that I could, I just found like a mixing chart, so I'd know exactly what I was making. Um, maybe you might consider that cheating. I don't know, but I actually found that enormously useful. And you can make so many darts. Yeah, I used the guide, but I mean, I've beat this game before back in the day on the PlayStation, so I can kind of uh, go back on the guide if I uh, don't remember certain things. You know, I mean. A lot yeah. of this, uh, my my playthrough was just kind of muscle memory in its own right uh, for, you know, the, the multiple times that I played it and beat it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I didn't get the, the ending that I got originally, though. I I managed to save Gail, save Rick, and Dr. Kirk, you know, so. Okay, so and, and, everybody and, and, except yeah. for Kirk, Dr. Kirk died in my playthrough. I saved Gail. Uh, Regina and and Rick survived. I, I don't think there's a scenario where they don't. But uh, I, I did. I did. Uh, Doctor Kirk did die. We we took the ending where we left on the hovercraft. Oh, I see. Yeah, I took the ending where I found the underground heliport and uh, we managed to get Doctor Kirk in there and whatnot. Gotcha. I mean, did did you uh, fight the Tyrannosaurus Rex in the same way, like on the lift and everything? Did you did you uh, fight the T Rex the same way? Or was no. that a different pathway? So the T-Rex, I fought in the port, actually. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was actually kind of cool because every time... It, the, the battle was actually a little is a little bit easier than you might think it is once you learn it. Basically, the on-screen really indicator is. pops up, 
And so you just fire as soon as it tells you to fire. Like you just let you let the T-Rex come to you and then you just wait for the indicator. Aim your gun, wait for the indicator, fire. And you just fire a few grenade bullets in its face like that and it goes down. Um, now my now my scenario left a little less room for error. Like uh, we were just on this little mechanized lift uh, going towards the uh, underground heliport. And the goddamn T-Rex found its way into that passageway and is just straight up running at me. Like, I'm out there on this very limited amount of space that I can actually maneuver on. And, I mean, I actually got eaten a couple of times there. But, I mean, once you get to the right place and you just uh, you uh, time your shots the right way uh, into his face, I mean, you, you, it eventually uh, allows you to uh, get into the helicopter and then you uh, blow the motherfucker up. <laughs> there's a bomb nice. strapped in the bottom of it so so yeah you blow the motherfucker up in the at the end so fucking a yeah hell I yeah mean, so so that was that was my scenario that i played through yeah i'm interested about some of the choices that you made too because i mean there are i think three or four different endings of to the game um but there are also just different choices that you can make some of which affect the ending some of which are just going to affect um how you're going to get uh you know, uh, through a particular part of the story. So uh, I, what I noticed during my playthrough was that Gale typically offered the choice that was more action-heavy, that just relied on you gunning your way through enemies, whereas Rick usually offered the option that was going to involve more puzzle-solving. So I'm curious to hear what, you know, which of those options you tended to gravitate towards or if you tried them both. About the first couple of, of uh, times that that choice came up and everything... I took Rick's choice, but a little closer to the end, I started to uh, kind of go Gale's route, like mainly to uh, actually get Dr. Kirk into custody. Like if you, if you want to leave with Dr. Kirk in custody, you pretty much got, at the very end, you got to take Gale's route and everything. I mean, and, and I mean, I didn't have any ammo at the time, so I just basically had to run and take my hits and just heal wherever and just try to get to the door before the, the, the motherfucking dinosaurs got to me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's basically the, the uh, route that I took. I mean, at first I took the more puzzle heavy uh, a couple times, but then near the end I was just like, nah, fuck it. I'm going with Gale. Fuck this Dr. Kirk motherfucker. <laughs> Fair enough. I, um, I actually mostly went with, with Rick. I did make, one decision um, where I left with Gail, which I think was the second to last one, and then I, I sided with Rick for the last one. But yeah, um, in general, I think Rick's um, choices just seemed more appealing to me, and then once I learned that they were the more puzzle-oriented one, obviously, I was more into that. I think it was by the time that we got to the point where they were like, yeah, it was like, let's just go pick up the parts in this room, or let's go pick up all of the pieces of these parts and put him together in this other room. And I was like, nah, fuck all that. that, that that's, I actually did that right there. For the that stabilizer was for the, and the stabilizer initializer. and the initializer. Yeah. Yeah, it was for that and everything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the puzzles in this game, I mean, they're quite intuitive. I mean, some of them you just got to know, you know, the sequence of events they need to do, especially like those crane puzzles, like yeah. uh, in, in the basement and everything. Like you just really got to anticipate the movements and just be like, okay, this is going to go over here. It's going to hook up this uh, piece of cargo. It's going to bring it up. It's going to bring it back a few pieces, and it's like it's going to put it over here. So you you just got to kind of yeah. j- just by process of elimination mostly. Uh, 
then there were those uh, puzzles where you had to, the three uh, pieces of the uh, whole puzzle and you had to just move them in the right place and then tr- choose them in the right sequence and then it would uh, uh, connect the circuit and whatnot. Like, th- those were fun puzzles, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they definitely were. I actually had a lot of fun with the puzzles in this game. Uh, a couple of them actually require you to write something down, I, 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 would, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, there's that one where if you choose Rick's plan to go through the escape hatch, there's no other fucking way, but you got to write those letters down. I can't possibly think anybody could just memorize those flashing across the screen. And, and you don't really have any warning, so I'm kind of like, shit, let me reload real quick. Um, that one, uh, you know, just just the different various codes and whatnot are helpful to just ha- have a pen and paper or like notes app on your phone like I do. Hell. Or, or the or the the room where you have to mix the uh, the gases just to get r- just under the right uh, toxicity level. Hell, there's even an uh, audio uh, puzzle that happens. You uh, you uncover a uh, a listening device. Uh, you listen to a conversation, then you hear this sequence of beeps, and then the the uh, puzzle on the uh, computer. Is, whenever you're uh, trying to open up the uh, the uh, parts to get the stabilizer and everything. Uh, yeah, you have to replicate those beeps, more or less. So, I mean, it, it's more of a like a memory game, sort of. Ah, so I didn't do that puzzle, because like I said, I didn't get the parts for the stabilizer and the initializer. <laughs> I said, fuck that. It, it, it's kind of interesting that they even went as far as having an audio puzzle like that. And one of the other puzzles, when you actually put them together near the end, like you just have to line up the, uh, the pieces as they come in and then just uh, put it together and whatnot. So... Yeah, a lot of the later puzzles were actually pretty interesting. They they actually were engaging, even. Yeah, yeah, no, they definitely did. They did engage you. Uh, going back, I did like that one puzzle where you um where you mix the gases in the room because uh, the flip side of that, and I I believe that if you kill the scientist too soon, um, you uh you don't get you miss out on an extra item. But I I. I you know, I managed to save him, and he talked to me before he died. Not sure why he doesn't carry the same item if he dies, but whatever, because um, he dies uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I managed to save him as well, so I got much the same items. Yeah, uh, and then also, if uh, one, once you solve that puzzle and you go out of the room, one of my favorite parts of the game is whenever the uh, uh, one of the raptors follows you in there. So oh, you can yeah. lock him in the room. <laughs> And for good measure, you could go ahead and gas that bitch because, like, you don't really have to. I, I, I think that I think the raptor's stuck in there, but still, why wouldn't you? I did it as well. I went ahead and just uh, up the gas levels and poisoned him. I mean, why the fuck not? Yep, right? Yep, because you gotta, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but let's talk about the actual graphics of this game for a little bit. Um, as opposed to the first three Resident Evil games where they use like pre-rendered graphics and whatnot, the graphics here are more procedurally generated and they and the camera is actually not fixed in a certain position. It actually will follow uh, Regina around in uh, certain areas and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and that right there actually that that mechanic right there actually kind of 
set the standard for some of uh, Capcom's future uh, survival horror output, namely uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica, which would use a... uh, use an engine not unlike uh, Dino Crisis' uh, gameplay engine and had this much the same thing. It didn't have the pre-rendered backgrounds. It had a, a more fr- uh, free-flowing camera that would follow Claire Redfield around and, what, and, and whatnot, even in smaller yeah. rooms. So, I mean, what, what do you think about that? I mean, th- this was actually really kind of a, a step forward when it comes to uh, these types of uh, survival horror games. Yeah, I think it definitely offers uh, a different feel than some of the original Resident Evils. And in fact, I think that at the time, this was kind of groundbreaking uh, for this genre. Um, we didn't uh, we didn't see, you know, fully uh, uh, rendered environments um, with the characters in them. So uh, I, I think it gives it a certain level of depth and immersion that while it still operates with the pseudo fixed camera angles and... Um, tank controls you know it does offer a little bit of a different experience Uh, i was surprised by how terrifying that experience was at times even with you know the ps1 graphics uh they still managed to kind of set a mood uh with these models and textures uh and, and on top of that uh i think in a way that you know for instance the jurassic park movies did at parts they made dinosaurs actually terrifying you know what would it be like to come across something that can just kill you um you know uh with it in, in one attack and i think that there is there are certain attacks that will do that um as there are in resident evil games as well but yeah no i i, I genuinely actually you know i i felt that it actually was kind of scary which was cool and i didn't expect that i was like okay it's a game about dinosaurs you know but it's in the survival horror genre, but I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what really uh, what really lends to that, though, is the uh, actual camera, which is, you know, right. much more dynamic than it was in the Resident Evil games, you know, because the camera in the Resident Evil games, of course, it, it still had to work within the boundaries of the pre-rendered graphics and whatnot. But here, right. I mean... You, you get cutscenes that are in-game, that are generated in-game with the graphics and whatnot, that look really superb on, on, for its time, you know? Once again, a really step forward oh, yeah. for this type of graphical style. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it really is. This is one of the better-looking PS1 titles, in fact. Um, what a shame, by the way, that uh, Dino Crisis has not seen um, any substantial number of ports. It's never been remastered or remade. Seriously, give it the Resident Evil remake treatment. I would love to see a modern-day uh, 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 a remake of the first Dino Crisis. That would be incredible. I'd love to see what they could do with the, you know, with that uh, behind-the-shoulder style that we see in the Resident Evil remakes and in the upcoming Silent Hill remake. You know, yeah, like yeah. and and even kind of like modernizing like some of like the choices, right? Like I was thinking about that in game. It's really funny because when you make a choice, uh, this is such a, such a small thing, but hear me out. When, when you're making a choice in game, I noticed that all it does is it just changes what your destination is going to be on the map, right? That that's the only Pretty thing much, that, that yeah. making the choice right then and there does. Um, so, like in a modern game, what that would naturally do is just give you both 
waypoints on the map and just let you pick which one, which is cool because then you didn't have to necessarily commit to one choice versus another. I don't know. It would be something small, but it's the way I'd handle it in the remake. And you could really kind of extend the game a little bit like they've done um, and and make it even longer, um, really, you know, fuck with the mood, with the mood of it uh, and, and make it really kind of visceral. Yeah. And going back to the whole remaking Dino Crisis thing, the the good thing about that is not only would we get the best version of Dino Crisis that we could ever play, it would also be pretty much the best uh, Jurassic Park horror game that we never got. You know, right? Like it would pretty much it would pretty much kind of fill that uh, uh, appetite that the public might have. You know, because. That's something that I've noticed is that there's never been a Jurassic Park game that ever really showed how terrifying the dinosaurs were, you know, just like you alluded to. And it would have been great to get that kind of content, especially now that there's a, a whole genre of analog horror on YouTube that is based off of Jurassic Park and actually, once again, shows how the dinosaurs are fucking terrifying. Well, and even like the movies d- dive into it a little bit. There are a couple scenes that are shot like horror films, and and I felt like those were some of the best bits of the movies. Well, my my argument there is that Jurassic Park was always a horror movie. It, that's really what it is. It's more of an action horror movie with dinosaurs. Fair enough. So, yeah. I mean, I mean that that's why it was natural to make a game like this, and it was only natural that Shinji Mikami would uh, go with dinosaurs as the next best thing over uh, over zombies and bioweapons, you know? And, and, and then just using the simple conceit of, you know, just uh, space-time displacement and whatnot to bring them into this world, I mean, you have a really tight and compact little game that, you know, evokes the best parts of Resident Evil. I mean, especially the first game. Time. Let's move out. What about Cooper? Forget him. Time's up. Wait, wait!
honestly, a remake in this game would just be so awesome. I completely agree. And something that I want to really, really see how they do is combat, because the combat mechanics in this game are actually kind of interesting. You know, like there's more, uh, it's something that Shinji Mikami called panic horror, more or less, or survival panic in a way. There, there's certain uh, there's certain parts in the game where uh, a dinosaur will get the drop on you, and you have to hit, you have to start mashing buttons uh, whenever it says danger. Yes. And if uh, if you don't, yeah, the dinosaur could easily kill you and whatnot. But honestly, if if you're fast enough and whatnot, it shouldn't be an issue. It's a very easy mechanic to use. But also, what I like about this uh, game's combat is. Uh, it kind of, once again, something that set the standard for future Capcom games was the ability to actually move when you uh, bring your gun up and are ready to fire. You can actually move around. You yeah. can clear rooms a little bit in with uh, that with that particular uh, uh, combat mechanic. You know, like I mean, you don't have to, you know, awkwardly like uh, turn around and then get like in place and whatnot, like in Resident Evil. Yeah. You can, you can, you pretty much have your gun ready, and then uh, whatever comes up to you, you can just start shooting, and you'll, uh, depending on what uh, upgrades you have on your guns, uh, you can get accurate shots. You know, you can actually put the uh, you can put these dinosaurs down with relative ease. I mean, and and I really like that, and that really really kind of set the standard for what we would see in future. Uh, like even Resident Evil games. I mean, I think that that may have even influenced Resident Evil Four to a, to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. I definitely found the combat a lot easier than in the first couple Resident Evil games. Uh, I liked. I I know what you mean. Like you actually were able to sort of move around, and uh, that actually made a, a big world of difference when it came to combat for me, especially as as a modern gamer. You know, that kind of had to go back and. Uh, experienced these uh, types of games for the PS1 era. And uh, yeah, I definitely felt like that gave me a tactical advantage, so to speak. I think I had a much easier time with this game. That being said, though, some of the dinosaurs can get you very, very quickly uh, in this game, especially in, in, in the late game. Uh, and like Resident Evil, you know, it kind of becomes a calculus of, you know, can I ignore this? Am I ever going to come back to this room? Can I just leave this raptor in here? Sure, you know. Um, can I just, like, trap him behind shutters? Um, okay. You know, can I just put him to sleep real quick and, and get around? You know, it, it, there has to be, there's a calculus of whether or not it's more worth it to go ahead and clear everything from that room versus you know save your resources now i'm a bit of a resource saver so i've just learned to be with these types of games so actually i kind of over hoard in some cases <laughs> and realize that i'm like stockpiling ammo now i found myself pretty much stockpiling all kinds of health items all yeah. types of uh hemostats which is interesting. I mean, you you can I never I never needed nearly as many as I got of, of the met, of the recovery yeah, items. I, <laughs> I had to use hemostats a couple of times, which is an interesting uh, little uh, gameplay mechanic there. You can actually bleed out if you don't uh, if you don't use a hemostat and that will actually affect your health. 
Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, you also have, uh, you know, the regular med packs. And you can even kind of use uh, the, the mixing function to kind of uh, double up on the intensity of those as well. And even yeah. use those to make, like, poison darts and whatnot. So I was also, I mean, I had all kinds of multipliers and anesthetic aids and whatnot. You know, the stuff, stuff that you can use to make, uh, to actually make darts and whatnot. I, I, I had, like, a glut of that, you know? So I had to Same eventually just here. start mixing I start mixing shit together and just try to see what kind of uh, dart ammo I could come up with. And it, it's a system that, that basically encourages you to experiment. Um, and again, contrasting it with Resident Evil, I felt like in Resident Evil I kind of try to keep my items as they are and I don't combine them until like I really need space. But otherwise, you know, I might need a, green, a, a single green herb or something. That might be just what I need. But in this game... Um, I feel like you actually are encouraged to kind of just experiment and mix things together and make other things. Um, and, and because the game, and, and you have limited inventory space and the game doesn't um, ever upgrade that. Uh, and, and like, it's like, yeah, you want to have a hemostat on hand so that you can stop the bleeding. You want to have a, a med pack on hand so you can heal yourself. Or, you know, do I want to keep both a, a, a med pack M and a med pack L, one that'll stop the bleeding and heal me simultaneously? Do I want to keep a couple of the resuscitation medicines on me, uh, which will allow you to spawn um, right uh, in the previous room if you die, and that way you don't have to reload? Yeah, yeah. You know, do I want to keep darts what ammo do i want to keep on you know these are these are the decisions you have to make and uh, i think what was really nice is just kind of experimenting with it, with the mixing system helped alleviate the frustration with inventory management you know because it was always fun picking up new things and being like well what happens if i mix this with mix you know i know i said i used a mixing guide but sometimes i also just kind of you know experimented or or you know more likely i'd probably just go look it up to see what this combination would do before i tried it um, and yeah. you, you do sort of get the, the underlying mechanics behind it as you do that, uh, which, which is nice. Like you, I stockpiled a bunch of those items and I had to, I had to hold them in the item boxes and like never used them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the interesting little kink in the, when it comes to uh, resource and item management here are the, uh, the various, uh, emergency boxes that you, uh, which are pretty much the equivalent of the, uh, the item crates in uh, Resident Evil, but right. this time you have you have uh, different degrees of emergency box. You have a green one, which mostly has health. You have a red box that has mostly ammo, and then you have an, a yellow emergency box, box, which could have a combination of both. But the the kink with that is is that you have to have plugs to open them, and yeah. certain uh, certain boxes need multiple plugs in order for you to access what's in there to to make it to make it accessible. And some boxes, you, some boxes you have to use plugs multiple times in order to get into their, that inventory. So, I mean, that, that right there kind of, uh, kind of forces you to really think about, you know, what you're going to have. Like, I, unfortunately, I didn't think, and I lost, uh, and I ended up uh, not having so much ammo near the end of the, uh, of the game. But, you know, I, I just had to, you know, dodge all the raptors and whatnot. But... I mean, even so, the uh, the the emergency boxes. I had enough plugs. I was able to get some more grenade bullets, and I was able to, you know, at least be able to uh, meet force with force if I needed to. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so th there's a solution 
in this game for uh, any kind of problem like that, or even if it's just having to just dodge around dinos. There, there are times I feel like that that's kind of an important aspect of a survival horror game is that you can kind of fuck yourself over, you know, and, and, and really just kind of have to power through it. But uh, it's part of the whole experience. Uh, also, just being quick, short games that are very replayable, uh, again, the multiple endings and multiple choices uh, in the game really give it, you know, more replayability um, and, and just kind of like learning the game, you know, now like I've gone through it once and now I'm kind of like, well, now I can kind of get through this quickly. Like I'll know what I'll need and I'll know where I'll need to go. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, it, it, it's definitely a very, very, very uh, replayable game. Uh, and I'm excited to actually get into the the rest of the, of, of the series. To be honest, I mean, there's just what two other games, two two and three, and I, maybe some spinoffs. Yes, the the second game though, you're going to notice something very right off the bat is it's more action oriented. It's not really what I would call a horror game. I mean, you actually just kind of run through the these different levels and you uh, you uh, fight dinosaurs and you move on to the next part of the level. And unfortunately, it also used uh, pre-rendered gra- uh, backgrounds for it. So the unique uh, graphical style that we see here wasn't replicated in, in uh, the second game. It was kind of uh, expounded upon in the third game. But the third game really leaned hev- more heavily into the sci-fi and less into the horror. You know, So this right here, this is still the most pure survival horror version of a dinosaur uh, game like this so you know yeah fair enough uh i i i uh i can see that with with what i've played you know with this game and you know still i'm excited to kind of look at the rest of the franchise and and see and compare but yeah i know that this 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 actually is has been a blast um i loved again you mentioned the the little uh like quick time events is basically what they are, you know, where you just hit the buttons really quick. And uh, a couple of those are instant death scenes. Those were definitely some of the more um, intense parts of the game. Thankfully I'm playing on an emulator and I have the use of safe states. So (laughs) same here, same here. I have my modded PS classic. I have Dino crisis on here. So yeah, I'm being able to quick save and a quick load definitely helped a lot. I won't lie. Yeah. What? Major difference is that this game does not have any sort of... Um, there, there are no limited saves. You can save as many times as you want. I mean, it'll affect your ranking, but uh, there's no ink ribbons. But instead, uh, the item box isn't free. <laughs> now the equivalent yeah. of the item box, you know, like you mentioned, yeah. requires plugs. And you, they're, they're scattered all over the map. You never quite know, you know, what you're going to run into. Am I going to run into more ammo? You know, I was left over with three plugs at the end of the game. And if I could have taken the path to what I, I believe is the path to the helipad, but it would just be going out of my way. So <laughs> you you would have you would have come across some more uh, ammo boxes or, or uh, some more emergency boxes in the heliports. So you you there, would have there been was able to use them. The, the one I'm trying to say is oh, there, there was, was one, one that you didn't use, on, it. but it was it was oh. out of my way. It was on the other path than the one oh, that I was yeah, that yeah. I was that I was that I was going on. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I had all these leftover. I had exactly enough plugs for it too, and I was just like, I, I actually started going down that path at first, and then I was like, wait a second. This is not where I'm supposed to be going, and I reloaded. Anyway, 
I actually, uh, again, I ended up with this game with a, a bunch of the fucking grenade bullets because I'd never used them. So I get to that T-Rex fight and I just, that, no, don't get me wrong. I still died a few times. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the timing is, is, is very, very, you know, it, it, it's blinking, you miss it. So you really have to get it. But you can, you, you can choose the fight once you, once you figure out the timing. You just got to aim the weapon and then just fire as soon as it gets near you. But it's a lot of fun. Um, obviously, like, the game was kind of building up to that fight. I mean, I think you fight the same T-Rex in the game, it seems like, uh, multiple oh, times. It, it absolutely is. It absolutely is the same T-Rex. Yeah. I, I think it's even the same the same T-Rex that gets stunned by the uh, by biting that uh, one electrical thing in the B3 uh, area. I don't know if you got to that, but... Yeah, I did. You do, uh, you do see... Yeah, yeah, and he comes down in the uh, elevator and everything, the large elevator. But yeah, no that that T Rex though. I mean, god damn it, he's he's a fucking he's a fucking dick, man. I mean, shit. I mean, even that first moment when you uh, encounter him in that office. Yeah. So I just ran. Yeah. Oh yeah, you did. And what's funny is that there's an item left in there that I needed, and I just and I and I I had to go back and get it, and thankfully he leaves when you come back, but. Uh, I literally just went for the door, and then <laughs> I, I think I was looking at a guide online, and, and and they were mentioned, and they were going over that part of the game, and it was like, yeah, just shoot it in the head a few times. It, you can try to to exit. I don't have a lot of success with this. It usually eats your head, and I'm like, oh, I did it the first try. <laughs> I just exactly. I I just ran. I didn't think I was supposed to fight him. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> Yeah, fuck it. I mean, it, it is a strategy. I just went ahead and took him on. I mean, it, yeah, usually just a couple of even handgun bullets would make him go away in that particular scene. But no, later on when he uh, when he catches you outside in the in the backyard of the facility, uh, and uh, he uh, he uh, busts uh, he busts the uh, pathway to where you need to go. It's like, oh, I I died a few times there as well. I mean, you know, you really got to time those shots just right. Or or he, or he will grab you and he will eat you. No, that part that the, the the second time you're fighting, you, you're talking, you you encounter him, right? Yeah, the second time uh, you fight, yeah, walkway. second time you encounter. Yeah, yeah, that encounter, that one, that I had a lot of trouble with that one too, even with the use of save states, um, because uh, uh -huh. you, well, okay. first I didn't realize you actually had to fight him, but you actually do have to fight him. Then he can't just run away. The door doesn't unlock until you get a few shots in, and like you said, it's very precise. In fact, it's kind of unfair because he can reach you anywhere on the screen. There's no safe spot, and he has this quick lunge attack. But I learned you just have to watch the animation and wait for the attack that will actually like clear the screen. So you kind of hang in one corner, knock off a few shots, as you know, uh, and then. Uh, you know, you move around. You move, you when he's about he's about to do the big lunge attack, then you just uh, you know move to your other corner real quick. But you got to be quick. You got to be quick on your toes. Uh, this game's very much a an on your toes type of game. It's a very much like a like a fast paced like you know like I said, there are enemies that will stomp you on the ground and just kill you in one hit. So you gotta um, gotta yeah, be fast. Yeah, you, you, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but even so, there's the uh, fight with the with the T Rex at the heliport, where this time around, instead of fighting him head on, you just evade him uh, tyrant style for a few minutes, and yeah. then Rick will say, "Hey, I got this, uh, I got this door open, I got this uh, elevator working," and then you just uh, run over there, and then you're done with it. 
Yeah. So, so you want to you want to know the saddest thing? I <laughs> the first time I did that fight, I did waste all my grenade bullets on that guy because I thought I just got it. these before a boss fight, and then I realized yes, that after he didn't I, I go see. down after my entire you know repertoire, you know uh, uh, a storm of weapons, I was like, oh, he must actually be invulnerable to weapons at this fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's kind of like the uh, tyrant at the end of Resident Evil where uh, yeah. the first few minutes of the game of, of that fight, you just have to evade him until you get the rocket launcher and then you line up that shot with the rocket launcher and he's done. So, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of, of evade and then until a scene starts. So, so but... But I, I really like the uh, cut scene before that, though. I mean, you you think that you're about to get out of there, but then the T-Rex is like, nope. Just comes out, takes out the helicopter, and then you're just kind of fucked for the moment. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and get into our final thoughts. Uh, okay. Starting with you, Bo. I think, like I said before, this is survival horror in its purest form at the time. I mean, Shinji Mikami really kind of achieved a different look and a different vibe for this game that, honestly, I don't think has really been duplicated since, you know? I mean, he, he, uh, he would eventually go on to do stuff like uh, The Evil Within, and whatnot, which uh, kind of went back to the more like uh, graphic uh, horror roots and everything. But this type of sci-fi horror, I don't think, I don't think it's really been done as well like since this game, you know. But and especially a game that uh, captures how terrifying dinosaurs are, you know. Mm. I mean, like I said earlier, this is very much the Jurassic Park horror game that we never got. That we should get, we should get a straight, uh, a straightforward Jurassic Park horror game, you know. And seriously, honestly, this this game right here has like some really memorable characters. I mean, I don't know why you know Regina, Gale, and Rick aren't you know respected as well as like uh, Chris, Jill, and Barry. You know, I mean that. I mean, Gale's pretty much the Barry of the of the group, and I would I would uh, say that. Rick is more like the uh who would Rick be? He would be the uh the Jill of the group. <laughs> yeah, is, is, wait, no. is is he is he the master of lock picking? I I yeah, I I believe so, but in hacking form. So hacking form? Yeah. I, yeah, and and Regina would be the uh Red Chris Redfield. <laughs> but <laughs> But yeah, the the puzzles are the puzzles are intuitive. I really like the graphical style and, and the way that the camera works. It it really laid the groundwork for a lot of uh, future uh, gameplay in future Capcom titles. And honestly, it still looks great. I mean, I'm even watching a playthrough of it. It's uh, upscaled to 4K, and it looks great even with the PS1 graphics. And I also have it on the PS Classic in front of me on a TV screen showing the original PlayStation graphics. And, yeah, I mean, comparing them, they're night and day. But even then, they still look great on either either upscale for 4K or on original hardware. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a goddamn shame that this series has 
not gotten uh, you know better accolades amongst gamers. And honestly, it, it needs to be revisited. It, it is absolutely time to revisit this franchise. You know, at the very least, give the original game a remaster, if not just a complete remake. And yeah, we we should uh, we should get back into the dinosaur horror uh, uh, scene. You know, so yeah, this this is a great game. I love this game, and I, I loved it the first time that I played it. Uh, almost you know, 20 some odd years ago and i i love it to this day it, it was fun playing through it and beating it again it, it brought back great memories so hell yeah hell yeah bro um yeah dino crisis has been a, a great game to play this halloween season uh, i know that halloween itself is over by this point uh, it's already almost midnight for us so but uh Hey, if you if you're still in the mood for some spookiness and some thrills, definitely uh, go put this on. Honestly, if if you're just if you're just down to play um, a fun game and get high, uh, this is this is definitely a recommendation. You can emulate it; it's not hard to do so, and play it uh, as God meant it to be played. Not absolutely. Really. Yeah, especially especially on uh, if you could play it on uh, actual uh, original hardware, by all means. I mean, it, it's st- like I said, it still looks great. I mean, even even being emulated on uh, like uh, on Auto Bleam, it, it, it looks it looks great. Yeah. So. Now you emulated as God intended. Absolutely. Because <laughs> fuck Capcom for uh, not having a uh, playable port of this game at the moment on any modern console so yeah and capcom uh go ahead and yeah do the dino crisis remake revitalize interest in the series pave the way for a sequel dino crisis 4 come on the a proper are a proper limitless. sequel yeah a proper sequel that isn't just an action game an actual fucking survival horror dinosaur game give us that yes. damn it agreed that's what we need. The world needs it. Just do it. Um, just do it. Exactly. Just, just, just do it. You can make fire with your mind. You just do it. But um, yeah, no, it, it's a game filled with um, scares and and uh, tense gameplay. You know, you're just you're kind of you're you're managing resources. You're 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 solving puzzles. You're, um, you know, it, it's everything you'd actually expect out of a Resident Evil game, but just with 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 dinosaurs. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it. But hell yeah, yeah, this has been hell a fun yeah. uh, Halloween evening. What do you think, Bo? <laughs> oh man, I've had all kinds of fun just even the last couple of days. I mean, we we just uh, on Collateral Cinema we released our Halloween Four Halloween special. That's the official Collateral Cinema Halloween uh, edition, and also the Halloween edition of the director's cut where Robert and I talked about. Uh, Nailgun Massacre, an old school uh, slasher slash exploitation movie. So, and we also released not too long ago Trick or Treat, which is itself one of the great Halloween uh, movies of all time. And also, uh, we have Freddy vs. Jason out, another great fun uh, Halloween uh, slasher movie. So, I would say that, let me tell you, October has been. Uh, a lot of fun this year. I mean, this has been a great uh, beginning of our season and also a great beginning to uh, Collateral Gaming's uh, season as well. Yeah, so uh, 
it, I, I, I would hesitate to call it great, but because um, we haven't done nearly any of what we said we were going to do. Yeah. We were meant to start this in September. I think we just barely made the cutoff but by the end of September uh, on our first episode. But yeah, so we were meant to do Spider-Man and then Spider-Man Miles Morales in September. And then October, we were going to do just as our regular episodes, Dino Crisis and Resident Evil 3 with Silent Hill 4 as the Halloween episode. Uh, the Spider-Man episodes didn't end up coming out till October. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're, we're you know, uh, it's getting closer and closer to Halloween. I think yesterday I was just like, fuck it. Let's make, let's go ahead and make Dino Crisis the Halloween special. Um, forget whatever spooky games we were going to do this year. Um, and uh, I didn't have anything set for a Halloween edition of the bonus round. So we'll go ahead and we'll make Resident Evil 3. Uh, the uh, we'll, we'll get that out by the end of this week, most likely, and conclude our spooky season. Uh, next year, we'll try to be a little bit more on the ball, maybe re- record things in advance. And yeah, uh, yeah. We'll save Silent Hill for for a future time. We'll we'll definitely get into that. Yeah. It'll probably end up being next year's Halloween special. Right on. Right on. But yeah, well, no, yeah. I mean talking about Dino Crisis has been fun. Um I'm excited to play Resident Evil 3 as well uh, and then kind of conclude um our uh our uh, Halloween season so to speak. And then in uh, November, we are finally going to be covering Spider-Man 2. I, I know that like almost everybody and their mother is basically like platinumed the game, 100%ed it at least, in like two or three days. I've been juggling that while playing Dino Crisis and doing other things, like actually recording and doing podcasts. So I did finish Spider-Man 2, but I'm excited to 100% it and to platinum it as I have Spider-Man 1 and Miles Morales. Um all just very short games that are actually pretty easy to platinum, uh, which is kind of cool. But yeah, part one, we'll be talking about Spider-Man 2. We're still going to be doing it spoiler-free um, as we'll be within a month of the game's release. Expect that in uh, the first half of November. And then by the end of the month, we'll be having our spoiler-filled review um, in part two. And then uh, in December is our Zelda month. We're going to be doing Oracle of Ages and then Seasons, I think, in that order. Part one, Oracle of Ages. Part two, Oracle of Seasons. Our, ho- our uh, holiday special will be on The Grinch. So that's the rest of 2023 for Collateral Gaming. We managed to, to, to record this on Halloween night, so I'm pretty happy, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, th- th- this is fun. This is a fun way to spend a Halloween evening, honestly. So Honestly, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I am excited for the remainder of Collateral Gaming Season 6, Collateral Cinema Season 7. You can check those out wherever you get your podcasts. We are also on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, And also uh, check us out on uh, Patreon and get access to exclusive uh, Let's Play video game commentaries for Collateral Gaming and full-length movie commentaries on Collateral Cinema. Yeah, and Collateral Cinema also has a... uh a page on good pods uh follow us there uh give us uh, five star reviews help us uh climb the uh, ranks of the uh top uh, 100 uh film and in- interview podcasts uh f- film podcasts mostly uh we're number 72 on that list at the moment so yeah well, maybe we can get into the top 50 i don't know we're we're within striking distance of that so give us a little help there and also uh, check out uh, for Collateral Cinema. We do have a buy me a coffee. I mean, if you just want to give us some money and just forego any extra content, 
I mean, feel free to throw us $1 or $5 there. So, And uh, check out our uh, Spreadshirt uh, merch store on, on Spreadshirt. Uh, we have hats, shirts, mugs, and all other types of collateral cinema swag. And I'm sure we'll have collateral gaming swag out uh, very soon. Like may- Maybe before the holiday season go- goes into full yeah. swing, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I'll get on that. Yeah. I'll add some collateral gaming Definitely. swag as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that it's going to be awesome to get our, our merchandise line set up for collateral media. Uh, thanks to our listeners for um, spending your spooky season with us. Or, I mean, if you're listening to this after the fact, no worries. <laughs> thanks for spending the time <laughs> with us nonetheless. Um, I guess that's it for now. That being said, I've been Ashley Chancellor. And I have been... Uh boasaurus rex and uh yeah have a have a safe and happy halloween if there's any left of it where you're at thanks happy halloween Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.